Welcome to Zaslow Show 2.0, presented from day one by Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys. You're dealing with any kind of accident, any personal injury, slip and fall, motorcycle, car accident, bike. Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys, 800 747 free. That's 800 747 3733. Title sponsors from day number one. No. Before day number one of Zaslow Show 2.0, my guys Mark Anajar, Glenn Levine, Ellie Anajar, they believe in me. If you're listening to the show right now and you're dealing with any kind of personal injury, I'm sending you to my friends, Anajar and Levine, accident attorneys. You don't have to deal with the insurance companies. You don't have to deal with the medical bills. You need to focus on getting right. That's where they come in. They handle all the stuff that you don't want to be bothered with. You need to make sure you're getting healthy and they're going to make sure you're getting the money that you deserve. Anna John Levine, Accident Attorneys, 800-747-FREE. That's 800-747-3733. Proud title sponsors of Zaslow Show 2.0. Welcome aboard. This is Zaslow Show 2.0. Welcome, Zaslow Show 2.0. It is a Wednesday, the 24th of January. Good to have you aboard, part of the Believe Podcast Network, and presented as always by Anna Jarn Levine, Accident Attorneys, 800 800-747-3733. None of Zaslow Show 2.0 is possible without the great guys. Mark Anajar, Glenn Levine, Ellie Anajar, title sponsors of everything Zaslow Show 2.0. 800-747-3, Got a great show planned today. Everybody's in a great mood because tonight, could tonight be the debut of the Heat's brand new shiny toy, Scary Terry Rozier. That's right. There's a lot going on. We got the NFL Championship Games this Sunday. NBA Panthers are back tonight. There's so much happening. Bet Online has you covered with all the up to the second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile versions, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So, fun show happening today. We're excited about tonight. Here's my setup tonight. My my younger son, my younger son plays rec soccer for Cooper City Optimist Club. So I'm going to be at the soccer fields tonight. I'm going to be able to watch a little bit of the Panther game before that. And then we're going to get home and I'm going to have the Panther game going on and the Heat game going on at the same time. And you know what? It's been a while since I've been more interested in the Heat game going head-to-head with the Panther game. Regular season hockey games just matter more. But now, tonight, we could have the debut of Terry Rozier. The way that I understand this, the players have to pass physicals. So Rozier has to pass his physical. Obviously, he will. And Kyle Lowry has to pass his physical. So is he going to be dragging his feet getting to Charlotte? Yeah, probably. So does Terry Rozier debut tonight? Or does he debut tomorrow 
at home. That's right. The Heat are playing two home games in a row, two nights in a row. Tomorrow is TNT against his former club, the Celtics. Either way, Terry Rozier could be debuting tonight. So we got the Heat in action tonight. We got the Panthers in action tonight. Yesterday was a big news NBA day. We're going to talk to Brian Geltseiler, Sirius XM, NBA Radio. He's our pal. He will join us today. We'll talk about the Heat. We'll talk about the Rozier-Lowry trade. Also, yesterday, the huge news, the Lowry trade was big. Yesterday was a massive NBA day. You know how big you know how big an NBA day was yesterday? I'm listening to my favorite show last night on ESPN Radio, Amber and Ian from 7 to 10 p.m. every weeknight, Monday through Friday. They opened the show with the NBA. That's how big an NBA day was. They opened their show with the NBA. You know they're football heavy. They opened the show with the National Basketball Association. But the Kyle Lowry trade, it was a big story. Not even close to the biggest story of the NBA yesterday. The biggest story was the Bucks firing Adrian Griffin, which I didn't get to talk about yesterday because it came soon after we wrapped up yesterday's podcast. We'll talk about all that with Brian Geltseiler, Sirius XM NBA Radio. Also, you guys know... And it's, it's kind of, you know, if you're into it, great. I hope you are. If it's not really your thing, I hope you give it a listen. I love sports media. I love hearing about it. I love reading about the things that are happening in sports media. And Jason Barrett, who is like, he's like the sports media kingpin. Barrett Sports Media. And he's going to be on the show today. Former program director, several stations, St. Louis, San Francisco. Former program director. And we're going to do a little sports media segment And if you guys like it, if I like it, if he likes it, I'd like to make it a regular thing. So Jason Barrett, Barrett Sports Media, will join us on the show today. And we'll go over all the big news in the world of sports media. So I hope you guys enjoy that. I think it's going to be really good. But let's start out here. So Terry Rozier might debut tonight. The more and more that I have thought about this trade, the more and more I love it. Like it. That's right. The more excited I've gotten over. You know, my son told me yesterday the Heat are now the only team in the NBA who has four players on the roster averaging over 20 points per game this season. Now, Terry Rozier is not going to do that for us. I mean, he's the fourth option, essentially. He's not going to do that for us. But they have four guys on the team who are averaging 20 points per game. And now, now we got some juice. And what I mean by now we got some juice, you know, I do believe that that was one of the reasons that the Heat fan was so disappointed in not being able to acquire Damian Lillard was because, you know what, we need we need something to break up the monotony of the regular season. And that'll happen when we get to late January and into February. You can, it, it, you, can, you can hit a bit of a malaise, not just as a fan base, but as a team. And now... Adding a player like Terry Rozier, a lot of energy, a lot of toughness. He's a dog. He's perfect for the Heat. You've added an energy to this team that it may have been lacking. Certainly lacking going into the season before you knew what Jaime Jaquez was going to do. Duncan Robbins, his resurgence. But, But a common theme over these last 24 hours has been how this team needed a jolt. And, and, and by the way... You notice how this malaise has kind of started when Jaime Hawkins Jr. was out. He brings a lot to the table for this team. And now you're getting an energy boost. You're getting a morale boost, an emotional boost with adding Terry Rozier to this team. And you know what? No one's going to say it, 
but it's also because Kyle Lowry's out of that locker room. You're going to see how he brought this team down. The whole demeanor. So, now, now the season's got some extra juice to it. So, starting tonight, possibly, going to have a lot of fun. We got the Heat tonight, we got the Panthers tonight. I do want to bring this up. And then, and then I want to, I want to get right to Geltzahler. Let's get all into all that stuff with him. Um, and I'll ask him this. So you see what's going on in Milwaukee, but nonetheless, in order to acquire Damian Lillard, and we had this conversation a few weeks ago about how the season Heroes having, the season Robinsons having, the season Hawkeyes is having, and now you even see the role that Jovich is playing, like. Jovich has been a starter. He may still start now with Hero. It, I mean, with, with Rozier. Because it's Rozier, Hero, Butler. It'll either be Jovich or Martin. And Adebayo. I would go Rozier, Hero, Butler, Jovich, Adebayo. Off the bench, Martin, Robinson, Love, Richardson. Those are your nine guys off the... Martin, Robinson, Love, Richardson, Haquez. Those are your five guys off the bench. The, the stalwarts off the bench. Haquez, Martin, Love, Robinson. Those nine for sure. And then a little bit of Richardson. See this? This is going to take some minutes away from Richardson because you got a guy in Rogier. You don't have to worry about the minutes. You don't have to worry about the age. And Hero can certainly handle the ball. Butler can handle the ball. Martin can handle the ball. I do think this is going to eat into some minutes for Josh Richardson. I would go your starting group. Rozier, Hero, Butler, Jovich, Adebayo, and off the bench, always, Haquez, Robinson, Martin, Love, and sometimes Richardson. I think those are your 10. That's your group right there. But I spoke about how I think the Heat are better off having not made... Like, the Heat got lucky that Joe Cronin is a cockroach and would not negotiate with the Heat. Because they wouldn't have Hero, they wouldn't have Robinson, they probably wouldn't have Hawkes. So looking at it now, and let's, let's be open-minded here. Are the Heat better off if they traded for Lillard and you give up Hero, Robinson, Hawkes, or Jovich, and, and multiple draft picks? Or... You have Rozier for Lowry and one draft pick. So essentially, would you rather have Lillard or would you rather have Rozier and Hero and Robinson and Hawkes? I think the Heat are better off. I, we'll ask Geltzahler. I think you got to make the case that the Heat are better off. So... The more and more I've thought about this trade, and especially from that perspective, and Terry Rozier is not playing for a contract. It's not like he's having a career year because, oh yeah, he's playing for a contract. He's under contract two and a half more years. Maybe he's just in his prime. The more and more I think about it, this was a great move for the Heat. Now, the, uh, the biggest move in the NBA yesterday was the Bucks at 30 and 13 firing. Their coach, Adrian Griffin. First year coach, Adrian Griffin. And I got to tell you, I feel a little bit bad for Adrian Griffin, although it's, it, it's, I think it's clearly of his own doing. You're fired from a team who had a 30-13 and 13 record in your first year as head coach. I don't think he's going to be a head coach ever again. That's a stain. 
That's a really bad look. He's he's worked for years as an assistant coach, finally gets his chance. I don't think he's ever going to be a head coach again. This is a black mark on his coaching career. And and look, it's a ba- it was a bad situation. It was a bad job by the Bucks hiring him in the first place. They hired him before Lillard, but it doesn't matter. You were still a championship level organization team. The goal is a championship. You if your goal is if the stakes are that high and your goal is to win a championship, you can't hire a coach who has no experience. It was a terrible job from the get-go. You're Adrian Griffin. You got to take over. You look at a situation like in Orlando, Jamal Mosley. Last year was his first year as head coach in the NBA, Jamal Mosley. You let him grow with the team. You put it, look at Steve Nash, first time ever head coach in Brooklyn. That's not going to work out. Adrian Griffin, first time ever head coach, championship aspirations, Milwaukee. That's not going to work out. But I do have to give Milwaukee credit in firing him. I know everyone's, their heads are, oh my God, how could you fire him? I give the Milwaukee Bucks a lot of credit for firing him 43 games into the season. They decided, they saw that this was a problem. Maybe it's not a regular season problem. Your team is so talented that even though you're terrible defensively, you're 30 and 13. But the goal for this team is not to be really good, have a great regular season record, and lose in the first round of the playoffs. They saw this guy is not the right fit. And if you wait for it to become a real problem, that is, first round exit, you've waited too long. You've wasted a year, a championship year. You just trade for Damian Lillard. The time is now. If you wait for the problem to actually be a real problem, you've waited too long. They identified there's a problem and we're not going to wait for the terrible thing to happen. First round exit. We got to fix this now. And that's what they did yesterday. So I give Milwaukee a lot of credit. But at the same time, I don't understand what they're doing where they're going to hire Doc Rivers. A coach, this is an underachieving right now Milwaukee team, and they're going to hire the coach who has perfected underachieving? Look at how much better Philadelphia is now without Doc Rivers. And now they're going to bring in Doc Rivers, Milwaukee? I don't get it. Doc Rivers is not a big-time coach. Doc Rivers is a smooth talker. Doc Rivers is charming. He's got a great smile. He is not a big-time coach. Players like him. Players love him. He is not a big-time coach. So I hope Milwaukee hires him. They will underachieve in the playoffs. But I give the Bucks credit for firing Adrian Griffin in the middle of the season. I think it was probably the right move, the difficult move. I think it was probably the right move, and it shows at least a little foresight that we don't want to wait for the huge problem. We're going to try and fix this before it becomes a huge problem. You know what's not a huge problem for the Zaslows anymore? Sleep. We use sheets and giggles. We sleep on the softest, coolest, most breathable sheets around. Sheetsgiggles.com, where the Zaslows were now one of were four of over 100,000 Americans that sleep on sheets and giggles. It's one less thing I got to worry about. Where am I getting my bed sheets? Plus, I'm getting the best sleep of my life every single night. I got the comforter. I got the eucalyptus pillow. They sell eucalyptus mattresses. That's right. Sheets and Giggles is made from the wood of eucalyptus trees, while my man Colin, the founder and CEO of Sheets and Giggles, is still managing to keep everything safe and environmentally friendly. You get the bed sheets, 
the, the fitted sheets, the pillowcases, the blanket, SheetsGiggles.com always has great sales and promotions. But if it's your first time going to SheetsGiggles.com, use promo code Zazlo. Use promo code Zazlo at SheetsGiggles.com. You'll get 20% off your first order. 20% off your first order. And then every other time you go to SheetsGiggles.com, you're taking advantage of all the sales and promotions they constantly have going on. Get the best sleep of your life. SheetsGiggles.com. Promo code Zazlo. SheetsGiggles.com. So a monster day in the association yesterday. We were part of it here in South Florida, but believe it or not, we were not even close to the biggest story. Joining us now, Brian Geltziler, Sirius XM NBA Radio. Geltz, good to talk to you. Good to see you here. Yesterday, tons of news. And, I, I mean, you had Joel Embiid who scored 70, Carl Anthony Towns scored 62, and, and gets ripped by his coach after the game. Those two weren't even close to the bigger stories. Yesterday was one of the crazier days in the league in a while, right? Yeah, a lot going on. First of all, Embiid, let's talk about Embiid for a minute here. He set the Sixers' single-game scoring record. This is the Sixers. Mm-hmm. This is the, He broke Wilt Chamberlain's single-game scoring record. This is an organization, Moses Malone, Dr. J., Allen Iverson, uh, you go up and down the line here with some of the great players that this organization has had come through it. And for him to do that's an amazing accomplishment. I'm glad you brought up Minnesota. Because Carl Anthony Towns scored 62 points in a game, got benched and ripped by his coach, and really pretty much called immature. And really, quite frankly, I give Chris Finch all the credit in the world. That was the appropriate characterization. And he sees that he has a title contender on his hands, and he does. And he's not going to let bad behavior creep in no matter what. Give him all the credit in the world. Then, obviously, Adrian Griffin getting fired, the Terry Rozier trade. It was action-packed yesterday. And listen, this is the NBA. The NBA will creep up on you with stuff that you never figure is going to happen, and there it is. And sometimes it all happens at once. So let's let's talk about our local perspective first. Let's talk about Kyle Lowry. Before the trade was made yesterday, from, from an outside perspective, from a national perspective, like from yourself, what was your view on the two-and-a-half-year relationship of Kyle Lowry and the Miami Heat? Listen, I think it, I think it was disappointing for the Heat. I think Lowry in his own way may have been disappointed too, but it was always a struggle for Kyle Lowry to, let's face it, to adhere to the conditioning requirements that go along with being a member of the Miami Heat. Pat Riley, after his first season there in his offseason address, brought up Kyle Lowry's conditioning. Now, again, older player, uh, tough to stay healthy sometimes, but he never quite adhered to that. And I think and his performance was less than what was expected. And certainly his performance did not commensurate with his salary to the extent that I thought the Miami Heat wanted it to. I think for Lowry, he felt like he was being paid to be this veteran presence on a team that was going to contend. And he certainly did have moments last year in the playoffs where he was extremely valuable. But you look at his time this year and the way things had fallen off, especially over the course of the last couple of weeks, where, I mean, the heat demoted him from the starting lineup and had been play- played a point guardless type of setup without him because they just didn't feel like he was doing enough and his shooting was terrible. And, and he's wearing down as an older player here and really isn't a starter anymore. The Heat needed a starting point guard and they got a really good one. And they got a guy that, that his 
whole style of play, his whole demeanor on the basketball court is very consistent with what the Miami Heat preach and the way their organization operates. So, listen, it's a great job by the Heat front office, Pat Riley, Andy Ellisberg. They go and they get a guy that fits really, really well. And, by the way, keep in mind, you know, Miami's biggest obstacle last year to get to the finals was the Boston Celtics. This is a guy that's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder when it comes to beating the Boston Celtics. So, strategic in that respect also. Listen, Terry Rozier's been at we're being frank about it john it's an it's an nba outpost where he's been right now okay the fact of the matter is is that charlotte is just an afterthought in the nba hate to say it but it's the way the organization has been run it's the the lack of success that they've had it's just it's an nba outpost he goes from there to being in South Beach, relevant in a team that is there to contend and win titles every single season. And I think you're going to get a really, really hungry player here in Terry Rozier. To me, this is a home run of a trade. I mean, I, I couldn't wait for Kyle Lowry to get out of here. I've never disliked a player for the Miami Heat more than I've disliked Kyle Lowry. So just getting him out of here is is huge. But then to also turn it into Terry Rozier, who is, you know, 23 points per game this year. He's given out six and a half assists. And yes, somebody's got to score in Charlotte. It's a terrible team. They're going to score 95, 100 points every night, no matter what. Somebody's got to score those points. But here's the thing, Geltz. He's having a career year. He's shooting 46% overall, 36% from three. And you can't even say, oh, okay, it's a contract year, so he's playing his ass off. He's got two and a half years left under contract. So... This to me, they're they're striking while the iron's hot with Terry Rozier. Yeah, and 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 I let's go to the contract first because I'm glad you brought that up. It's a really fair contract, like mid twenties this year, and for two more, it's really a fair contract. And so for Miami, getting a guy with some with reasonable cost controls at his age that can do what he does, you're right about the year that he's been having. And I think you lent the proper perspective to 23 points a game. He's not going to average 23 points a game for Miami because the shots aren't going to be there. However, I could see a spike in his shooting percentages, certainly that 36% from three, because his shot quality is going to be better playing with Jimmy Butler and Bam out of bio and tyler hero and jaime Hawkes. it's it, you're playing with better players and that's going to help terry rozier immensely and i think you're going to see a very energized guy listen he's always been a high effort guy he's always been ultra competitive he plays angry and i love that i mean the nickname scary terry he's an he plays angry the other thing that i like a lot about him which is really important is the defensive versatility, John. All right, you can put him, he can he can guard six foot and quick. He can guard six, eight and strong. Like he's a strong player at his size. He's really good defensively. It's going to allow a lot of different looks for Miami on the perimeter, much better than Lowry. And I think, listen, when you look at the big picture with the Heat, anybody you bring in has got to be able to guard just because you're always with the challenge a hiding Tyler Hero. It's always that challenge. You need him on the floor because of his shooting and his offense, but you got to hide him. And listen, to a lesser extent, Duncan Robinson at times, bringing in a guy that can guard's really big. Here's one other piece of perspective that I think is important to look at. The Heat got outbid for Drew Holiday by the Boston Celtics once he was trading the Lillard deal to Portland. I will... Holiday right now, first of all, is not having the year that he had last year. Um, and that's one thing to note. The second thing is that this is a contract year for Holiday. 
Terry Rozier is signed out for this year and two more. You can make the case that Rozier is a better fit, not only basketball-wise but at his age, but contractually as well, than Drew Holiday would have been on the Miami Heat. All right, so let us let me ask you this, because I brought this up on the show already today. You know, everybody knows that the Heat, they didn't even really strike out on Damian Lillard. They never really seemed to have the chance at Damian Lillard. The Blazers, Joe Cronin, they weren't interested in engaging with the Heat. They, you, 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 had, you know, you had a whole pride situation, an emotional situation that got a hold of the Blazers in that spot. But if we look back now at what the Heat likely would have been willing to or had to give up for Damian Lillard, you're talking Hero, you're talking Robinson, either Hawkes or Jovich, and who knows how many draft picks. That's what they'd have had to give up for Lillard. Or they give up Kyle Lowry and a first-round draft pick for Terry Rozier. Can you make the case that things worked out pretty well for the Heat? Yes, that probably they worked out better, especially when you're watching the defensive struggles that Milwaukee's having and the role Damian Lillard is playing in that. I want to go back for a minute because I will say this about, you know, with some perspective and talking to some people over the course of of the months since the Lillard deal went down with Milwaukee, there was two sides there. Number one, it's and this is just a fact. Joe Cronin wasn't interested in Tyler Hero as a lead piece to the deal. And that's who the Heat had as a lead piece. So he didn't necessarily engage in the in enthusiastically because he wasn't interested in the player. And then and then I think it's important to note, and I think Miami learned something from this going forward. And and yes, you're always learning as experienced as Pat Riley is and Andy Ellisberg and all the success that they've had, there was an arrogance out of them in terms of them being the one place Lillard wanted to go to and that Lillard should be sent there. And I think part of that arrogance is what kept Cronin from engaging. And I'm not defending Cronin because I do think you kick the tires on every offer and it's possible to go involve third teams. So it's maybe he could have been more open to listening. But I think the heat through how they negotiated came out of that saying, you know what, maybe we could have been a little more conciliatory and met them in the middle a little more negotiating wise with the knowledge that Lillard only wanted to come to us and and they you know there was this notion out there with Damian Lillard that the Portland had to send him to Miami that they owed it to him and Joe Cronin never saw it that way and I think the heat front office did see it that way and I think in the future if a situation like that ever came up again I think you'd see this heat front office deal with it a little bit differently but to your point they landed on their feet with a younger player who's a better defensive player. And and I, with Hero playing like he's playing, with Robinson playing like he's playing, with the fact that I never feel like Bam Adebayo has the ball enough or gets enough usage on this team, I could make the case Rozier's a better fit than Lillard ever would have been based upon usage. Because in the end, who takes big shots from Miami? Lillard's beautiful thing. He'll carry scoring load, but he will take and make big shots for your team late in games. I can ask, is he even touching the ball in some of those spots for Miami? Because Jimmy Butler takes those shots. And by the way, with the volume that he makes those shots and how he's played and how he's carried this team, you don't want anybody but Jimmy Butler taking those shots. So I, I, I the notion that the Heat landed better here with Rozier and still have draft picks and Hakez and Jovich, and I think you're correct. I think they landed better. Think about it this way. This is how I would think about it. Forget the draft picks for a minute. Are you better off right now with Lillard? Okay, or are you better off essentially with Rozier, Hakez, and Hero? 
I don't think it's an issue. You're better off with Rozier, Hawkins, and Hero. One of the issues that he'd had last year in the finals against Denver was push came to shove. The rotation wasn't deep enough. You have some of that needed depth in the rotation now with the way Robinson's played, the way Hero's played, and the massive contribution that Hawkins has made. What do you think the rest of the league thinks, or specifically the Eastern Conference, the big dogs in the East when the Heat make that trade yesterday? Listen, Bill Simmons had a tweet yesterday, and he's you know the biggest Celtics fan out there in the media, and I think it, it speaks for a lot of what the rest of the Eastern Conference is looking, that he has felt all along to his Celtics, the biggest threat is not the Bucs, is not the Sixers, is the Heat, and that threat got larger yesterday. And, and it, with the understanding that Miami this year, above last year, is having a better regular season and doing a better job, which means they're not going to have to come from as difficult a seeding place to be able to advance deep into the playoffs. I think the rest of the Eastern Conference, especially the top of the Eastern Conference, got a little nervous yesterday. Because here's the other thing about the Celtics. Because the Celtics are head and shoulders above everybody right now. They're above the Bucks, They're above the Sixers. And as a regular season team right now, they're above the Heat. Now, the playoffs start, things are entirely different. The Heat, you know, they, they have a different level that they take it to in the playoffs. And this team is built to compete in the playoffs. That's the way that it's always been. But I think for the Celtics, it's not only adding a player like Rozier, it's adding Rozier. Let's not forget how unhappy Terry Rozier was his last year in Boston when he was relegated to the bench after being a starting point guard for a team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals for Kyrie Irving, who was a very poor teammate there and acted the entire time like he didn't want to be there. And he was, Rozier, Rozier ended up playing eight, 15, 18 minutes a game behind Kyrie Irving, even though he felt he had earned more. So you look at that, and now Rozier with a chip on his shoulder playing the Celtics? Absolutely. Listen, to Terry Rozier right now, he feels like he should be a part of that. Think about the guy they traded him for, Kemba Walker. He's out of the league. He's been out of the league a year and a half. Okay, Kemba Walker, they traded him for. Rozier's got, and, and Rozier's not a guy that's going to forget. He's at where he is in the NBA because, again, he plays angry and he remembers stuff. Rozier's going to have a chip on his shoulder. This is a, This could be a mini little nightmare for the Boston Celtics having a go against the guy who wants to to take the head off your team figuratively in the worst way. It's, it, it becomes a tough spot for Boston. Let's talk a little bit about the other news, the big news, the biggest news yesterday, and that was the Bucks firing Adrian Griffin. It could be a shock to a lot of people. I actually think it's, I, I, I think it's a, a, a smart move by the Bucks in this sense. You know, it's obviously the difficult move to fire a coach when you're 30 and 13, but they clearly identified a scenario where we think we have a problem here. And if you have a problem and you wait for it to actually be a problem, meaning when they lose in the first round of the playoffs, you've waited too long. They looked at it yesterday and said, I could see that we're going to have a problem. So before that happens, we're going to try and fix it and do something about it right now. So I actually commend the Bucks for making the move yesterday. But if they're going to hire Doc Rivers, I... I feel I, I don't understand what we're doing there. You look at Philadelphia, they're so much better this year than they've been the last few years with Doc as the head coach. So I think it's been a weird 24 hours for the Bucs. It has been. Now, John, I'm going to start here. They knew they had a problem before they played a game this season because they brought Terry Stotts in to be his lead assistant. Now, there's a trend that's going on in the NBA right now that's a difficult trend for coaches. And no one really wants to talk about it. I'm happy to talk about it. 
very rarely, if ever, do head coaches get to hire their own coaching staffs. They're told who's on their coaching staffs. Adrian Griffin was given Terry Stotts, and he was given Terry Stotts two months before the before the uh, Damian Lillard deal was made. So Damian Lillard lands there. Stotts was his head coach for nine years in Portland. They have a longstanding relationship. All right, when Adrian when Terry Stotts quit because Adrian Griffin embarrassed him in front of the team and the coaching staff because he didn't come into a coach's huddle as quickly as as Griffin wanted him to because he was in the midst of discussing something and working with Damian Lillard on something. They knew they had a problem because essentially what Griffin was doing was stripping himself of having a guy that the other other player that players on the team could see as an alternate authority to him. And for a rookie head coach, that becomes a very lonely and dangerous spot. And I do think if Stotts was there, this would have happened earlier because I think they just would have moved Stotts over. Because I think one of the things that we're looking at here, and I'm going to get to Doc Rivers, because I don't know that you're giving Doc Rivers a fair shake. And, and we'll talk about that in a sec. Forgetting about Doc for a minute, ask Quinn Snyder how brutally difficult it is to walk into a team that you hadn't coached all year and have to pick up and coach that team. It is absolutely brutal. And one of the reasons Doc was brought in as a coaching consultant, and let's say I've heard through the grapevine, and I wouldn't go on record to confirm this, but I've heard through the grapevine, it was a little longer than the one month that's being reported that Doc has been hanging around there and consulting with that organization on the coaching that's going on with that team. It's very hard to step in and be able to do something and and be able to be successful. So now, but I will say this about Doc. Let me defend Doc for a minute. All right, Doc got fired in Philly for one reason and one reason only. Got fired in Philly because James Harden wanted him gone. And then James Harden turned around after they fired Doc for James Harden and said, I want to be traded. But so, and, and so Doc, so I think Doc's a little bit bitter about that. And I don't totally blame him. Doc did a really good job in Philly last year where things went bad was that James Harden became really difficult to coach. And listen, Doc has done, I think three or four of these with Bill Simmons on the Bill Simmons podcast. And he'll discuss out loud. He doesn't care. He's not holding back on how difficult it was to coach James Harden and how the tone and tenor of Harden listening to him completely and entirely changed when Harden didn't make the all-star team. James Harden was very hard for him to coach, especially in the playoffs where Harden had to have the ball in his hands and at some very key times, refused to actually shoot the basketball, John. So Doc had a tough time there last year, but Doc has an idea what he wants to do defensively. Here's Doc's problem. Okay, first of all, I'm telling you right now, he's going back to Budenholzer's prop defense. That's what if I had to take over this job and I've been on the staff all year, that's what I would do. Don't because that's gonna your best defensive player is Lopez. Your best defensive player used to be Holiday, even Lopez, even even though Lopez was second in defensive player of the year voting last year. But this year, your best defensive player is Lopez. He's best in drop. You're going back to drop defense. The problem is, is that you don't have the requisite individual perimeter defenders to be able to play drop successfully and be able to do it in the playoffs. With a team like the Celtics that loves to shoot threes like that, you start playing drop and leave them open threes, they're going to bury you. They will bury you. They'd sweep the Bucks in a series. And that's the biggest problem that Doc has right now, is that the system that they have to play, the system he has to go back to, he doesn't have the horses. And by the way, they can't make a move. One other thing here, and it relates to the Bucks tangentially, but I think it's important to note, because, it, excuse me, it applies to Kyle Lowry. And that's the point that, listen, Woj reported yesterday Charlotte's going to try to trade Lowry. They're not going to be successful in trading Lowry. Teams are not going to give up anything for Lowry. They're going to sit back and wait for Kyle Lowry to be bought out. All right? When he is bought out, 
because of now this new CBA, if you're above the first tax apron, you can't bring him in because his contract was too much money. If he makes over $12.5 million, you can't bring him in. That knocks out the Bucks to go get a guy like Larry. That knocks out the Celtics. That knocks out the Denver Nuggets. Okay? It knocks out the Clippers. It knocks out even the Sixers are $1 million into the first apron. It knocks them out. So what are you looking at? You're looking at Minnesota. You're looking at the Knicks. You're looking at Dallas. So – here's my point about Milwaukee circling back to them. They can't, the cavalry can't really come. They got nothing else to trade and they can't better this team. It's Doc's walking into a really, really tough spot here, John. Uh, yeah. And, and, and speaking of which, how much do you think Giannis? Well, Giannis is taking a lot of heat right now. I guess that he got the coach fired. Do you think that played much of a role? Yeah, listen, I, I I don't, but I, Giannis got him hired. So let's start there. Right. Okay. There's, it's been widely reported that the front office wanted Nick Nurse yeah. to coach his team and Nick Nurse wanted to coach his team. So Giannis got Griffin hired. Giannis started the ball rolling on him getting fired, but it wasn't just Giannis. It was Damian Lillard. It was Brooke Lopez. It was Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis, you know, there's a report. Bobby Portis called him out in the locker room in front of everybody after the in-season tournament semifinal loss to the uh, uh, Indiana Pacers. So it's it was everybody across the board that was on board with this. Listen, the, the Stotts thing did not exactly endear him to Dame. And I think Giannis is bearing the brunt of having him fired. I think Dame actually may have played more of a role in, in having him fired. But the thing is, when you're six games into the season – and you have four of your top players come into the coach's office and say, what you're doing defensively isn't working. This is really important in the NBA. It's it, The thing in the NBA that you have to understand is that as a head coach, you earn the player's respect by having them perceive, not even if it's real, but having them perceive that you're adding value to them winning games. And you're adding value to them winning games and getting paid. Griffin from the jump, they could see wasn't adding value. And once the players see that you're not adding value, buy-in is difficult. When you have a veteran team that's supposed to be a title contender and you don't have buy-in at the top end of your roster, you're done. So when you think about it in those terms, 30 and 13 doesn't mean all that much. And kind of surprised it didn't happen sooner. Yeah. Uh, Brian, excellent job. You can hear Brian uh, at SiriusXM NBA Radio a lot of the times on the weekend with Sam Mitchell. Did I leave anything else out? Where can folks catch you at? No, that's all. You know, NBA weekend every Saturday morning, 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern time. I also host This Week in NBA Radio, which is Sundays, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern time and sporadic times over on Sirius XM NBA Radio. You can catch me every Friday at 540 on NBA Today with Justin Termini, Eddie Johnson, doing my weekly spot with them as well. And we have a lot of fun in those weekly spots. But, they, John, thanks they, so much for having me, Do they give me, you a chance in between their arguing? They give you a chance to get some some words in there? So here's the the cool thing about the spot is that I'm actually kind of like Judge Judy. So they'll bring up stuff to me that the two of them are screaming and arguing like about. It. And I'm supposed to be the one that is the, the moderator, so to speak, where I, I say what side I take. The thing is, that role for me gets me abused. Because the one that doesn't like what I have to say, all of a sudden, my dietary habits come into question. I mean, they, you know, they are, they're attacking me hard. And listen, it's a lot of fun. Those guys are great. I have a blast doing that with them. But uh, we have a good time at NBA Radio. We really do. Awesome job, Gouts. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, man. Always, John. My pleasure, buddy. You take care. Excellent job by Brian Geltseiler. All right, so he pushed back a little bit on the Doc Rivers stuff. You're not going to change my mind, though, on Doc Rivers. I, I do I do not believe that he is a big-time coach. Oh, and look, and look at this, by the way. It's coming across right now. Doc Rivers 
has in fact officially accepted the job as head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I, I like it for uh, uh, dramatic purposes, you know, for storylines. I, I like it, but to me, I, I'm not afraid of the Bucks at all. And like he said there, you know, as far as the Heat acquiring Terry Rozier, I, I think Boston, they are absolutely on notice. And I think Terry Rozier, like I said, and you, and you heard Brian reiterate it there, who's got a dog mentality. You don't think Terry Rozier wants a big-time crack at the Boston Celtics? I mean, he's been, he's been playing in, in Siberia the last few years with the Charlotte Hornets, which is exactly where Kyle Lowry belongs. And now Terry Rozier, out of witness protection, essentially, and gets to play big-time basketball again. Excellent job there by Brian Geltzeiler. Appreciate him joining us. You know what else is big-time? Get yourself a brand new ride. And of course, if you're thinking about getting a new car, I send you to the only car dealership I personally endorse here on Zaslow Show 2.0. You know we're talking about North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. At North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, they're celebrating the new year with incredible offers on all new Subarus in stock as well as every pre-owned vehicle on their lot. At North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, you're getting that promise. The promise to provide customers with an exceptional experience at their brand new state-of-the-art facility. It's on North Andrews Avenue. You know, it's that beautiful building. You can see it from I-95 at the Cypress Creek Road exit. And whether you want to enjoy a relaxing indoor car shopping experience, or maybe you just want to have your current vehicle serviced, you can expect to be treated like royalty at North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. And did you know they service all makes and models? So whatever car you currently have, You could service with confidence at North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. And with an extensive new and pre-owned Subaru inventory, plus used cars, trucks, SUVs, every make and model, you're sure to find your next vehicle at North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. Check it out now, nflsubaru.com. That's nflsubaru.com. North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, the location you know with an experience you'll love. Okay, all guests on Zaslow Show 2.0 brought to us by the official beer of the program, Johnny Cuba. European roots with that Caribbean soul, a refreshing German lager in a can. You know that's how we're going to enjoy it. we got the heat tonight, Jason Terry. We've got the Panthers at the same time. I'm going to be sitting on the couch in the Zaslow Mansion family room. I'm going to have a nice cold Johnny in my hand. Pick up a six-pack of Johnny Cuba, your local Sedanos, Presidente, Winn-Dixie, Fresco y Mas. Always drink responsibly and, of course, don't forget Johnny Cuba's mantra, stay tranquilo. Okay, I'm very excited to talk to Jason Barrett. Jason Barrett, Barrett Sports Media, which is, I mean, for, for the media dorks like myself, is, is the premier uh, sports media website. It's where we get all of our information. The guys like me, we always want to be featured in there. He has done a terrific job building up this media website. He, former program director, several stations across the country, several big stations. And I wanted to get Jason on the show here. Number one, Jason's a good dude. He loves pro wrestling. So obviously he's a good dude. But we wanted to get Jason on because I love talking about sports media. I love this kind of stuff. And and Jason, uh, you know, who better to, to have a little conversation about it with than Jason Barrett. So Jason, thanks so much for joining us here. And, and I do want to mention, you have the, the Barrett Sports Media Summit coming yep. up in a couple of months in New York City this year. What year number is this? This will be year number six. Wow. So year number six. And for folks, I get messages all the time, like on, on, on social media, Zaslow, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to start this. Do you have any advice? Uh, my advice would be, 
go to Barrett Sports Media and check out the details about the summit that's coming up in a couple of months because I'll, I'll let you tell a little bit about it here, Jason. This is the place you want to be if you want to meet all the people. Everybody converges from all over the industry. Yeah, I mean, look, and I appreciate you bringing it up. The, uh, the way I've always built it is it's a two-day master class on the sports media business. You know, you got decision makers in the room from radio, television, digital advertising, the agent world. Uh, it's, you know, look, there's things on stage that people are going to learn just from hearing people talk about experience and what they go through. On the other hand, let's face it, we all like to network and meet people. And if you're like, the only thing we try to do is we keep it close to the public. You, you have to be in the business or you have to be in school pursuing the business. So if you're going to communication school, we have a special student rate we put in there. And a lot like we've got one kid coming from Arizona for the third straight year because he sees the value in, hey, if I get in that room and I shake hands with the right people, when I'm ready to graduate, I'll have made some inroads. And eventually, if I'm good enough, they'll give me a shot. And so um, it really does bring together some of the best on-air talent in the business, the best decision makers from companies all over the place. I mean, you, you mentioned me being into wrestling. We've had WWE, Amazon, you know, all the radio groups, ESPN, Fox, all the TV groups. And so uh, you just try to get a lot of smart people in one space for two days, dissect as much different uh, business that's out there to examine of how we make the industry better. And hopefully those are in the room, take some uh, knowledge away from it and shake a few hands and make a few contacts. And BarrettSportsMedia.com, folks can go check out tickets, all, all kinds of availability, all that stuff coming up. Yep. Yeah, they got uh, they go right onto the store. They'll see the tickets. We also have a conference site where we'll put our speakers, bsmsummit.com, all of those things. And if you follow us on social, you can't, you're going to see something hit you in the face at some point about it because it's one of the biggest things we do. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm planning on coming. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to, to meeting a bunch of people who I've never been able to, uh, you know, meet in person, be a talk on the phone or even like this on zoom. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be really great. I got the time to do it now. I make my own schedule. I'm my own. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well. So, so Jason, let's start out here. I got a few sports media topics and the timing is good because yesterday uh, was a very big news day. Obviously Kyle Lowry getting traded. That's amazing news. But on top of that, you had <laughs> WWE announce a new partnership with Netflix starting in 2025 Monday night raw, which I don't know. I, at least for now, it's still going to be on Mondays, but Monday night raw is going to be streaming exclusively every single week on Netflix. It is a 10 year, $5 billion deal. Uh, what does this mean for, you know, folks who watch pro wrestling and what does it potentially mean then also for sports? I think first we'll start with the wrestling side. Wrestling fans will flock to wherever the programming is. WWE has built that trust with its audience for decades. Uh, we're not going to not watch Raw. Now, are there going to be some people like the, the football crowd that complained about Peacock showing the playoff game that'll say, wait, I watched it as part of my cable subscription, and now I have to sign up for Netflix and pay extra money if they didn't? Sure, there's always going to be some of that. But that's the world we're in. That world's been in existence since, what, 2013, 15, when the world started going this direction. So I think we're just going to see more of this, not less. The question ultimately becomes, 
which of these groups are going to become heavy players in the sports space. And when Netflix goes and makes an investment of $500 million a year in a product like this, that's telling you that they see a lot of value in live programming. That's something that they've been reluctant to explore in the past. On the other hand, this is 52 weeks of programming a year. Don't forget there are premium live events that WWE does internationally because this deal also includes the UK, also includes Latin America, also includes Canada for Netflix. Well, those are four countries right there that they're going to make some money on off of this deal. What, what's interesting, when this was first, and, and if you've just followed some of the business talk around the WWE deal, when it came out that the WWE and Fox were going to split, and Fox was not going to renew at half a mil, $500 million a year, I remember the initial reaction was like, oh, man, they're going to have a hard time getting that deal. Anyone who asked me, I told them, they're going to, they're going to have that deal no problem. Like, first of all, if you know anything about Nick Khan, Nick Khan is great at what he does. So if you watched his interview yesterday with Pat McAfee on ESPN, he followed something that's been in the trades for a while where he left open the door of Monday Night Raw becoming a different night Raw, right? And they did that because he made the point. We're up against the college football championship game. We're up against the NCAA tournament game. We're up against Monday Night Football. And even then, WWE still crushes on Monday night. You move it to Tuesday, they have less competition. Yeah, the traditionalists like myself who've been watching Monday nights forever will go, oh, this isn't great. I wish it was on Monday. And you know what I'll do? I'll be there on Tuesday bitching and moaning. I'll still be watching the show. And so the bottom line is WWE is one of the most dominant businesses, period, in sports. The Netflix saw greater value, I think, in them than they would in probably some of the top four. Everybody wants the NFL. Those kind of groups eventually will have the kind of interest, you know, with the NFL to command their interest of coming over. I think you're just going to see more of Apple, Google, Amazon, Netflix playing in the sports space. I've been saying this since 2015 that this day was coming. All you have to do is follow the money. This is where the money is. At some point, when you see... ESPN talking about uh, looking for a financial strategic partner. Well, yeah, they need the leagues to be financial strategic partners because it'll help offset rights deals. If not, who's going to win at the negotiating table when rights deals come up? ESPN owned by Disney or Apple who owns the entire world's economy? <laughs> like at some point, <laughs> Apple, Meta, Google, they're all super loaded. They control the majority of dollars that, that are spent on advertising and everything we do. So as long as those groups want to play in this space, they're just going to grow in their influence in, in owning programming rights. So you may not have the answer to this because it's all so fresh and new, but am I going to be watching Monday Night Raw on Netflix three hours, no commercials? So if you have the subscription that includes no spots then you will see Raw without commercials. Here's the only challenge with that. You know what happens in a commercial break. The action gets a lot less, you know, intense. And so those who are getting commercials still who don't want to pay the premium deal, they'll see commercials cover it. 
you'll just be treated to more of the lulls in the action. But you won't have to sit through a spot. So I'm going to get headlocks in my wrestling again? Yes, headlocks and arm bars are coming your way. The guy gets thrown outside the ring and he sits there for 30 seconds while the ref forgets to count. All that kind of stuff will happen, but you just won't have to watch uh, two minutes of commercials. Wow. So historic deal between WWE and Netflix, which then brings us to the NFL and the streaming and Peacock from a couple weeks ago. It, it it was a major talking point down here in South Florida because it was the Dolphins. It was the yep. Dolphins and Chiefs. Now, obviously, locally, it was not an issue. But if you're a Dolphin fan watching somewhere else, it could be an issue. The stance that I took on it, Jason, the NFL is, look, the NFL is a greedy pig. We know that. But the NFL is the only one of the major pro sports leagues here in North America that doesn't charge you for regular season games. Right. Marlins, Panthers, Heat, those are on regional cable networks. I'm paying for that. You you may not feel like you're paying for it. You are paying for it. The NFL is on over-the-air broadcast television. So I, I thought that this whole thing was a little bit overblown. What do you think? I, I did too, and I, I think it goes back to if you've been expecting this like I have for a decade, this was not a surprise. First of all, you can buy Peacock for $4.99 and cancel afterwards, right? Now, I subscribe to Peacock anyway, so it wasn't costing me anything because it's already part of my package. Um, if you don't think that we're going to be in an a la carte world, subscribing to everything over we're already doing it but it's only going to amplify more people are going to go under the subscription hood and say if you want our programming you got to pay us directly because the cable companies are not going to pay enough money to these operators and if you're espn you're going why should i only take five dollars from a cable company when i'm part of a hundred channels but i'm the one that's really driving the bus when i could charge ten dollars Get the money myself. I don't care if I'm in a package with 99 other channels that don't matter. So eventually, these groups, you said it, the NFL is a greedy pig. A lot of the media companies are going, if you want us to continue to pay for programming rights and you want us to continue to invest in the kind of content you want, well, then we need more of your money to do it. And so, look, do I, do I feel bad for some of the folks who, you know, have the basic cable package, don't have the means to do other things? Yes. And that's the, the unfortunate part of where we're at when it comes to programming on television. You're not going to get everything you want. You're going to have to decide what is valuable, what isn't valuable. I'm sure there are people who said, I like Thursday night football better when it's on Fox basic channels than when I have to buy an Amazon subscription. Guess what? Those who really want Thursday night football are going to go get an Amazon subscription. And so it, that's just where we're at. That's the reality. Whether you love it or not, you know, you can say they're all, you know, getting rich. This is wrong. And usually the, par the part of the demo that will say that are the older folks who are grown up. I'm, I'm almost 50. So I grew up on a time where traditional is all that there was. And it was great. But you had to know that like Netflix, I pay for Netflix, Amazon, Peacock, Apple, Disney. And then I got my YouTube TV. Before you know it, you're going, I'm spending $300 a month on programming that I don't even watch. Yeah. So at some point you go, maybe I don't need all this. But there are deals like I look at Peacock. I go, I get WWE pay-per-view every month. I get a lot of original programming there that I like. And now I get a football playoff game as part of it. And I didn't pay an extra dime. Like, that's not bad, five bucks a month. Some of these, like... 
I had YouTube premium. I was paying $19 a month to not see commercials on YouTube. I eventually said, listen, I'm going to have to sit through two minutes. You know what? I I did the same thing about a month ago. I did the same thing. I'm like, I got to cut back somewhere. I'm I'm cutting back the YouTube premium. And I got rid of it a month ago. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll wait 20 seconds for a commercial to pass. Right. If it was five bucks like Peacock, I'd probably have said, hey, you know what, just leave it. But after a while you go, it's not that I can't spend the 19 bucks. It's just, why am I paying $19 just to not see a commercial? I'm not that lazy. I'll sit through it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is a weird thing. And I'll, I'll add to this. As far as all the streaming and the different apps, a pain in the ass is if I'm watching, let's say Amazon Prime and I'm watching Thursday Night Football and they go to commercial, I can't then flip to another channel during the commercial break. It's it's too much effort to close out the app, add another app, uh, pick a channel I want to watch. By then, the commercial's over. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. And, and look, there is something to be said. And I saw, I, I think it was Clay Travis made this point, which was, was fair. You know, some people feel if you're going to put these games under a stream and you're going to make people pay for them, well, when you go on Amazon, you order a movie for five bucks, you don't get hit with spots. So shouldn't I be treated to the same experience when I go on Netflix or if I go on Amazon or if I go on Peacock? And there's validity in that. Like if I'm paying you just for the programming, why am I also getting hit with the advertising? That being said, we know the world. You're not going to win that. But what are you going to do? You just go on social media and complain and you know get an army of people to complain. The NFL is going to go, that's great. We got 60 minutes of commercials, which are going to bring in another $60 million per game. We have another 60 million coming in subscription. Guess what? You're getting ads. And so, you know, or you could pay for a tier package to not see the ads and you get to watch the equivalent of what WWE will show with less action, where they'll show you coaches on the sideline just talking. And so you go, do you want to just pay more just to watch people stand on the field? Or do you want to just sit for two minutes? Because you're right. You're not going to leave the app once you're watching the game to go seek out something else. Because even if you do, you're probably landing in a spot where you're watching it somewhere else. So what's the point? Jason, what the hell happened in Sports Illustrated? This, um, you know, you go back to how streaming has been going down the path and you could see the positive coming of the growth. This, unfortunately, is the complete opposite. You've seen this story developing for the last five, six years. You know, when uh, Maven was involved, if you remember, they they got rid of Grant Wall, which was terrible. I mean, the guy was the best at what he did. Um, They had put, you know, Richard Deitch was a must read for me in Sports Illustrated and obviously still is with The Athletic. But they started to lose a lot of their quality. You know, SI was, to me, built on quality. It was built on respect. It was the best journalism you could get and then that became a priority for readers like myself over the years which is why we bought the magazines why eventually when they migrated to uh, to online we followed but once you start losing the peter kings the richard deitches the grant walls back in the day the rick riley's uh, once that starts to happen and you start to become more of a factory of content chasing clicks trying to play the Google game, trying to, you know, pound the internet with 200 stories a day because we need to sell the mass scale. If you're not known for destination people, eventually you may have scale, but you don't have influence and impact the way you did. 
And unfortunately, like there's still some really good people there. Like I liked listening to Jimmy Trana's stuff and reading his stuff. Um, I, I feel for people like that because they still uphold the standards that SI put in place. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people under the SI banner that don't have Jimmy Trana's credentials. And so as this has continued to go, I mean, you just look when Maven had it and now Arena Group, like you can't sit there and say, well, SI is not technically dead. We're just looking for a new licensee. What are you telling me about your brand and company? That literally you're selling a, a name to rent. Well, that doesn't do anything. Like the reason why the name upholds and means something to people is because of the great journalists that worked for it. When you don't have the great journalists working for it and all you have are two great letters, you know, or names in this case, SI, Sports Illustrated, however you want to position it, well, then you don't have a brand. You need the quality to go with the name. And so ultimately, I think the quality diluted. Uh, whatever their business dealings were going on behind the scenes, clearly both sides were not in a place that they felt good about a relationship. And for those who loved Sports Illustrated like I did growing up, I think we've already reached the point over the last five to eight years where we realized that's not the Sports Illustrated I knew. So this to me feels like, yeah, like this was old Yeller in the back and somebody had to put old Yeller down. If you're not going to commit to the quality and do it right, don't do it. Sell the name to somebody, let them build it back. If they say, you know, the athletic came in at one point in time and said, we're going to rescue sports journalism. And they did so much to the point that the New York Times said, we believe in what you're doing, we'll buy it. Well, same thing could be done with a sports illustrator. You're just going to get the right person who knows what that brand means. It's going to take a lot of money. Let's not kid ourselves. And if they see the value long-term, they'll probably build it back up and, and have a good, uh, payoff down the road but it's you know journalism's not cheap if anyone knows i'm not spending near what these kind of groups spend but just running a bsm is freaking no day at the beach and so i, I know that you know eventually costs add up and people have to determine if there's enough return to make it make sense there's a movie from about 20 years ago with uh dennis quaid and topher grace called in good company which is essentially what happened with Sports Illustrated. It's their version of Sports Illustrated. He's a writer for their Sports Illustrated. They get bought out by a big company. It all changes. Like, you should you should check that. It's a good movie. It's called I'll, In Good I'll Company. I'll have to dig into that. I'm always looking for uh, new stuff to watch because, you know, we, we see so much of the same stuff on TV. So I'll take you up on that. Yeah, check that out. Uh, I do want to hit on uh, a couple more things with you. Uh, for dorky sports media stuff and people like me who really like this stuff. Shocking news on a couple fronts last week. One of them was uh, Spike Eskin leaving WFAN where he was program director there and also executive uh, uh, with, with Odyssey, I believe, which he left WIP years ago to go to WFAN and program. And now in like an unprecedented move, essentially, from running WFAN, programming WFAN, going back to WIP, which is obviously... A, a, a heritage radio station to to host there not to program direct not to be an executive I, I was shocked with this news i was stunned too um you know i text spike that day i said you certainly keep things interesting for us and you know he's always had a pretty good personality when it comes to these kind of things but look he's one of those guys super sharp he could be successful at either path uh, he's done really well with his podcast rights to Ricky Sanchez, which is very Sixers and 
Philly focused. Um, you know, it obviously had the cream of the crop programming job. And I'm not privy to what goes on in his head, what goes on in their building. Um, WFAN was doing pretty well. He was overseeing WFAN and CBS Sports Radio. Uh, he also serves as VP of Programming for Odyssey, where essentially when PDs and other markets are going through things, they'll reach out to bring him in, almost like the company's de facto consultant on sports radio matters, right? And so he had the ultimate position. Now, if he wants to be on the air and talk about Philadelphia sports and he has a bigger passion for that, then, you know, look, when you've programmed for a while, eventually, you know, another corporate meeting, another sales thing, another promotions thing, maybe it's not as exciting as being on the air. The thing that I thought was strange only from, you know, the timing is never going to be good. But the thing that I felt was strange was, okay, he left Philly where he was programming and while he was there programming, he also was on the afternoon show, though he was in the third chair with Josh Innes and Hollis Thomas. Now he's driving the show. So maybe that makes it a little different because you feel you have control and you're creating the ideas for the show versus just reacting. Right. But now there's less Im influence on the overall brand, which Spike is more than qualified to provide. On the other hand, look, sometimes guys get to a point like I'm almost 50. The way I worked at 35 is not the way I want to work when I'm 65, right? So if you like the idea of I just want to talk and be able to focus on one thing rather than having to worry about the network, worry about the local station, worry about the afternoon show, sure, there's some value in that. The thing that anybody in the business, I wrote about it on BarrettSportsMedia.com and I'm I'm sure like some people in the building, you know, read it and are like, oh, God, I can't believe he's bringing this up. And I, I'm just saying what most people in the business are going to tell me and are thinking. When you bring somebody over who's running Odyssey in that kind of capacity, they're probably doing pretty well financially, probably more so than the afternoon guy at WIP, which means if you're not taking a haircut, which they're not going to do that with a guy like Spike. <laughs> so if you're doing that, you're saying, OK, we'll absorb heavier payroll. Well, to do that during a time when there's bankruptcy in a, in a process going on for Odyssey, you know that they're not just going to go, no problem. Let's add a few hundred grand of payroll. Yeah. So something's got to come, which means either WFAN can't pay as much for the job, which if you know anything about Chris Olivero, he's not going in going, yeah, no problem. We'll find a guy for 150 grand less. No way. I can't see that. Uh, so then the natural thing becomes, well, they got a guy in Philadelphia who's qualified to host and program, and we have a program director. Well, their program director, Rod Lakin, is excellent. The station's ratings right now are through the roof. He's done everything right, so much so that Spike said he went to Rod and said, Rod is the one who brought up the idea. So if that's the case, I'm going, well, I can't see them being in a rush to move Rod out. This really becomes a year or two down the road. Where's the station at? Is Rod still happy? Does Spike want to do more? And nobody's going to have that answer for a while. I, as I said in the column, I hope it works out to the point where Spike crushes an afternoon, Rod crushes programming, Chris finds his guy in New York, and they find their way to eliminate some costs throughout the company rather than just making it about these two particular things. But skepticism is going to kick in when you have these kind of moves and you have someone like, why is it coming up? Because this guy is really qualified to do two jobs. And when you have someone with that talent, of course, as a company, you owe it to yourself to go, 
are we maximizing the value this guy brings to the workplace? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and also here, Jason, last week, we we learn out of nowhere, Erica Ayers Baden leaves her post as CEO at Barstool. Is this going to have, like, what kind of impact does this have for Barstool? So initially, you know, you look at what she's done since she got in there. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to talk to her on stage at an event and go back and forth with her a few times and super sharp, um, really had a good feel of their business, defended the brand, really trusted and respected by everybody there. So initially, when you lose someone like that, who's had the brand's best interests at heart, you're losing a friend, a mentor, somebody who uh, believed in your product, right? She also was really connected and good at selling the brand. So I don't know every single salesperson inside Barstool. I'm sure they have a ton of hungry, you know, uh, sharks in that building that can go out and generate revenue. You don't get to the point they're at without more than one. But naturally, when you lose someone with Erica's acumen and ability, the initial reaction is going to be, will they be able to continue to dominate in the sales game the way that they had? And consider that she wasn't just out selling. She was going out with Portnoy to recruit investors, and she's really good, right? Um, so the natural thing is going to be, okay, if you go back to Barstool before Erica, it was a juggernaut brand. It had a lot of momentum, but it wasn't seen as a buttoned-up business. Um, that being said, I mentioned this Monday, you know, Portnoy is the one guy I'll never bet against. Dave Portnoy more times than not, comes out on the right end, even when he's in a, a line of fire and everybody's writing for him to be let go and, you know, Barstool's going to go up in flames. He always comes out on the other end. And he, you know, while Erica may get credit for a lot of the business growth, he's right there connected to all of it. Nothing's happening without him. So as soon as I see this, I'm naturally going, okay, are they going to have someone who's alongside Portnoy to be the buffer? Because the one thing about Dave, you know, it's well documented. He's very passionate. He speaks his mind, which is what makes him a, an incredible personality. On the other hand, sometimes when you're the guy in the line of fire, you need somebody else speaking. Mm -hmm. Because if you're the guy, then it just comes like, okay, defending the company. This guy can't see what's going on. Eric has always been a really good yin to the yang, right? So I think that's going to be their question. Um, I think also without investor influence, um, at what point do talent, when they start getting recruited, because they've been recruited in the past, they're not leaving, they, they've loved Barstool, but if the business structure doesn't feel as strong in 18 to 24 months and someone comes calling, does it make people look at things go, maybe I didn't do it the last three times, but maybe it is the time, right? And so what they do internally to create that camaraderie and that keep that confidence inside it, make people want to perform there. That's going to be the focus. I think naturally you got to wonder, you know, I'm not saying when I say you got to wonder if Barstool's peak, I'm not talking about, can they continue to grow audience and make bigger impact? They can still do that. The question becomes where the, will the value be higher than it is right now or where it has been before when they got Penn national, I, right now, I don't think you can say yes. But as I said, if there's one person I wouldn't bet against in business, it's Dave Portnoy. Because just when you think, all right, they were 500 million with Penn National, maybe they're 300 now. 
he'll have them at 1.2 billion in five years. And you'll go, well, I was wrong again on that one. So, you know, right now, to me, the bigger question is, what does this mean for the stability of the brand? And what happens the next, because media outlets love to go after Barstool. Yep. Okay. Yep. We're, we're not one of them. I've actually tried to cover them with respect. I'll write something critical if I think it warrants it. But I try to, I respect their brand. They've done a lot of good things for the sports media business. But when something nationally comes up and the Washington Times or Business Insider or whichever outlet next wants to go after them and they have to deal with it and it starts to have a trickle down effect to sales, how is that going to be handled? Because Portnoy can't be the guy to answer everything. They're going to have to have some support around them. And so that's the only real question I have. I still think they will be a thriving brand. And, you know, it'll change, obviously, because Erica has been a really great addition to that company. But they found great talent so many times that I trust that they'll find something else. Yeah. Uh, excellent job, Jason. I enjoyed this. Jason Barrett, Barrett Sports Media. Tell everybody again real quick how they can get tickets for the Barrett Sports Media Summit coming up. You go on to bsmsummit.com or you can go on to barrettsportsmedia.com, click on the store. Everything's in there. If you like to consume this kind of content, just check out the website and read it. You don't even have to come to the conference. Just enjoy the content. I'm looking forward to it this year. Uh, Great job, Jason. Thanks so much for doing this with me today. I appreciate it. You got it, man. Do it anytime. Let me know. Awesome job by Jason Barrett there. I'm looking forward to that summit coming up in March. And like I said, I, I get messages from from uh, you know some of you guys who are looking to get into the business. You're at school, what have you? Check out you know bsmsummit.com. Uh, I haven't been. I'm going this year, or at least I'm planning on going this year. And it's it's a really big event. It's an important event if you're in the business. So. I, I would recommend you checking it out. And I thought that segment was fun. If you enjoyed that, I love that sports media stuff. If you enjoyed that, then it's it's probably something I'd like to do more often. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. That's always interesting stuff to me. All right. Let's get to big deal or not a big deal. Big deal or not a big deal. Let's start things off here. So last night, last night, yeah, Tuesday night. Last night, you had NBA on TNT. And you had Knicks and Nets. That was the first game. Lakers-Clippers was the second game. And Candace Parker speaking after the game on on NBA on TNT. And here she is talking about Jalen Brunson. And Nick fans were not happy with her commentary. We've seen Jalen Brunson in the playoffs with the Mavs. And he was number two, number three, came in, played minutes, supplemented Luka handling the ball. But as a number one option last year in the playoffs... Great first round, second round, not so much. So I, I'm in agreement with her. All right, this is a bad job out of Kansas Parker. Now, she, she's talking about the Becky Hammond comments from like a month ago where you can't win big if your best player is small like Brunson, which uh, I do agree with, and history has shown that to be true. But in talking about he had a great first round series last year and then not so much in the second round, he was amazing in the second round against the Heat. He was much better in the second round than he was in the first round. He was probably the best player on the floor, including the Heat, in the second round series. The the Knicks put up a great fight against the Heat last year. Heat still took that ass in five of, uh, excuse me, six games. But Jalen Brunson was amazing. That's a bad job out of Kansas Parker. I don't know what she's doing there. Big deal or not a big deal? Terry Rozier. Here's the Miami Heat social media team catching him landing off the private jet in Miami last night. 
Terry, welcome to Miami, yes, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Welcome home, brother. You good? Yeah, we good. Good, yeah, now. We we better than good right now. Yeah, for sure. Terry, how's it feel? How's it feel to be here? So I don't even know what to say. I can't even, you know, it ain't all it ain't all the way hit me, but you know, shit, this is home for me. I feel good. I, you know, I'm ready to get started. I'm glad to be a part of Heat Culture, and let's get it. Y'all gonna see, you know, with all the hype ball, really ready. So let's get to it. So. Yeah, I'm I'm going big deal. I mean, how can you not be excited? You watch that as a Heat fan. You 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 know you can see how happy he is, and he has a dog mentality. He's a guy who is going to like and appreciate the work. That's a big deal. Big deal or not a big deal. So Miami Dolphin running back Raheem Mostert, 21 touchdowns this year. He was awesome. Here he is yesterday. Uh, was it on Instagram? I think, or maybe he was doing like a. He was on. Maybe it was a podcast. He, he's disappointed he was not named All-Pro. On my phone here, let me show you real quick. This is my screensaver. Um, I put, you know, All-Pro, right? That's 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 what I wanted to do. I wanted to I wanted to be All-Pro. Um, that was important to me. And and unfortunately, I didn't get that. Um, you know, I, I don't understand why I didn't. I didn't even get second-team All-Pro, um, which is mind-boggling because I, you know, I still had 21 touchdowns and over 1,000 yards. Uh, rushing and um, over 1,100 yards, you know, total. But yeah, uh, we can we can talk about that another time. I just I was a little frustrated when I found out that I didn't even make second team. Yeah, I'm going big deal. It sucks for him because it, you, you like to have that on your resume. You know, something you did. You were all pro in 2023. So I'll go big deal. That's disappointing for him. And finally, big deal or not a big deal. This morning, ESPN Radio, 6 to 10 a.m. Unsportsmanlike. Every morning, Monday through Friday, my man Evan Cohen, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty. This morning, here's Chris Canty on the Bucks potentially hiring. We know they have now, but potentially hiring Doc Rivers. Doc is known as an all-time great guy. This would be his fifth head coach job in the NBA full-time. He has won a championship, but Doc is most known for playoff failures. Doc is looking real Mike McCarthy-ish, ain't he? I mean, he he getting a lot of mileage out of that 2008 championship with the Bucks. I mean, with the Celtics, ain't he? Like it just it just feels like that. Like I like I, I wish him all the success. Like I know he's a great guy. He's a great broadcast. He was great with Darsburg this year when he was working with her. But I just I, I don't know that Doc is going to be the answer for all of the problems that the Bucks are facing, especially with the last two stops that we've seen from Doc being so underwhelming. Yeah, I'm going big deal. I think it's a pretty good comparison there. From Chris Canty. I mean, it, look, Doc Rivers, he was fired in Orlando, did a nice job his first year there. Then they underachieved like he always does, lost three, blew a three, the, blew his first three games to one series lead. He would blow several more along the way. And then gets the job at Boston. They're horrible. He's about to be fired. And then they make the, the Kevin Garnett trade, which has made his career as a coach. If they don't make that trade, he's probably never a coach again, a head coach again in the NBA. And just like the players, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, he's getting a ton of mileage out of that one championship. You've never heard of a group who won one title speak more of or think highly higher of themselves than those 2008 Boston Celtics, Doc Rivers included. I'm going big deal. And that right there is another edition of Big Deal or Not a Big Deal. Okay. I feel like we accomplished a lot today. Gout Seiler. Jason Barrett, that's good stuff. This was a good show tonight. Heat, maybe Rozier, Panthers, 
Does Sasha Barkov return tonight? He's missed the last four games. Come on now. Let's go. Heat, uh, the Heat are hosting Memphis. Panthers are hosting Arizona. There's no fucking around. Let's, let's, let's get double dip tonight. You know what I'm talking about. Thanks to all you guys for listening to the show. Thanks to all my sponsors, as always. Support the sponsors who support the show. And, and thanks, everybody, who helped put together a great show today. Your work behind the scenes, it does not go unnoticed. I appreciate you. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Zaslow Show 2.0. Know what that means. Ah, the show is over. What better time now than to go out back with a six-pack of Johnny Cuba. That's right. That's what I look forward to after every show. And now my day's work is done. I got a six-pack of Johnny Cuba. We're talking European roots with a Caribbean soul. I'm going to sit outside by the pool here at the Zaslow Mansion and just enjoy the rest of my day. Having a Johnny Cuba makes me feel like I'm right back in the Caribbean. We're talking a refreshing German lager in a can. You can get it anywhere. Sedano's, Presidente, Winn-Dixie. And right now, you got special holiday prices on six packs of Johnny Cuba. Make sure you pick up your Johnny Cuba merch as well. We got the hot sauce coming up. Johnny Cuba, stay tranquilo because more is always brewing.